It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts, N-E-U-T-Z. With me as always, the one, the only, Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. How's it going, Josh? It's going great. Uh, first week of fantasy playoffs. Always fun. Always uh, stressful. Uh, I hope you managed it okay. Just remember, you can't uh, you can't control what happens. Uh, you just kind of got to do the best with the information you got and and uh, let the chips fall where they may. How'd your How'd your fantasy week play out for you, Newts? Well, it was very stressful. Uh, almost all my matchups kind of came down to the wire, but for the most part, uh, I might advance in all my leagues. It really just is coming down to our league of record. Got a really close matchup there, but I'm safe everywhere else. So all in all, a stressful day, but everything seemed to go my way. Uh, How about you? Uh, Yeah, you know, not quite as good. I think I am going to get through at least in one spot. I've got, you know, some matchups up in the air. By the way, we're recording uh, prior to Baltimore-Cleveland here tonight. So, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm an eternal optimist, so I'm I'm not going to count myself out of any of these games yet. But uh, it looks like I might only get through in one. Um, and, and with that in mind, I've kind of transitioned a little bit, not that I'm not here to help our redraft listeners and, and people that are looking to still set lineups and win championships. That's what we're here for. Um, but my mindset has switched a little bit on to what do my teams need as we move forward? What does the class start looking like? And, um, I thought that was a good chance to preview our Thursday show this week, which is going to be essentially just that a 2020 rookie class preview. Uh, we're going to go through all the pertinent names at all the, uh, the most important positions just off the top of my head. I think we'll have uh, a lot of quarterback talk, probably a little less running back talk, but then a lot of pass catchers in this in this class, both at wide receiver and at tight end. So um, excited for that episode, but also excited to recap some of these games. Should we get into it? Yeah, this should be a fun uh, draft class coming up. But uh, yeah, let's uh, for this show, let's focus on what we just saw um, yesterday over the weekend. And then uh, Thursday, we can dive heavy into the future. But uh, uh, we're starting out here in uh, in Jacksonville, Florida with the Titans at Jags. Last episode, I predicted Derrick Henry would rush for 200 yards, and I actually got one right. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for that prediction. It's not like it's an outlandish prediction. I didn't predict uh, Baker Mayfield to throw for 600 yards or something, but still, it's, it's you know, anytime you can predict a 200-yard game. You still have time cool. to make that prediction, by the way. Now. They haven't <laughs> played yet. Do you want to go on a, on a uh, here? No, I don't think so. I think I'll, I'll quit while I'm ahead on this one. But but that being said, Derrick Henry is going to win a lot of managers, uh, a lot of leagues this year. Um, if, if you're a Derrick Henry owner, you're going to be uh, cashing a few paychecks. But that doesn't mean that you should be rolling it back next year with the same lineup. I think this offseason is the perfect time to get out on Derrick Henry. And I think the smartest time to get out on him. He gave you a ton of success, hopefully won you at least one championship along the way. But now I think you need to cash that in for some draft picks, some younger assets, some guys to try and build a dynasty in your leagues. I, I can't think of a better time to sell than this offseason for Henry guys. Yeah, my advice would have been exactly the same at the start of last offseason. Um, so if you rolled the dice and got this year's production, now you're on borrowed time. Now it is the time to really get out uh, while his value is still uh, at its absolute peak. He's such a good player. He's so much fun to watch. I don't think either of us are uh, taking anything away from that. But just in terms of our philosophy as dynasty managers, I think I think you're right. It's the time is 
The time is coming up quick. How about A.J. Brown's catch? Yeah, A.J. Brown had a phenomenal one-handed grab uh, to start the scoring off in this game, actually. Uh, I know I have one team where I have Henry and Brown, so this game was just like, amazing for me but yeah AJ Brown is a guy that I know we both love and a guy I'm not advocating you to sell this offseason I would actually go and buy high because I think he can continue to get better there's still some flaws in his game that if he truly puts in the work he could become you know wide receiver one two three overall and in the dynasty world so he's a buy high for me and I thought he had a fantastic game he did have one drop but Mm -hmm. um, he made a lot of really difficult catches in this game so I thought Brown was fantastic keep rolling him out there and uh, we've talked about Derrick Henry's easy playoff schedule, but I don't think it's hard for the the passing game either. So A.J. Brown should have a nice little playoff run here. And then on the Jacksonville side, there's uh, not a whole lot here. I just think it, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Minshew or Glennon going forward. If you're playing any Jags like Robinson or Chenault or – I mean, I wouldn't play uh, – shark but um any of the jags you're using i don't think the quarterback there makes a whole heck of a lot of difference um for who you're going to play or not play um that being said uh let's move on to uh, a really fun game uh, uh, probably a lot more competitive than most of us thought we had uh, chiefs at dolphins uh i thought Tua looked pretty good from what i saw did you share that opinion or um did you see anything different that uh, maybe he struggled with no I, I i did think he looked good um, I think the thing that continues to stand out when you watch Tua play is that he is absolutely pinpoint accurate. When he throws the ball, he throws it where he wants to throw it. Um, there was a couple throws in this game that he got off late due to some pressure, um, and the ball kind of hung up in the air on him. Um, but all in all, a really solid day. I think it was maybe a little bit more generous stat line than the play would indicate. He probably should have had another interception in this game. Um, but you know, the thing that made me want to watch this matchup and choose this matchup in our game draft on Thursday, uh, was the fact that I wanted to see him take a few more chances and try to be a little bit more of a playmaker. Um, and you know, I did see that from him here today. Um, I think it's important to note in that respect that Devonte Parker, probably the best kind of just go get it player they have left right away in this game. It was about, you know, the 10 minute mark in the, in the first quarter, um, so he didn't play a lot. Mike Kosicki was a guy who could go get some balls for Tua. Um, he had a really nice day here, but I think it's also important to note that he left this game with an injury in the fourth quarter, got uh, swung down really hard on his shoulder and was in a lot of pain. So uh, be monitoring the injury por- report there. But um, I just look at this offense. Jakeem Grant had a couple chances to make big plays and uh, really left Tua uh, out to dry. Actually, Tua's Lone interception came on a drop uh, that uh, Jakeem Grant popped straight up into the air. Um, I think this is a really good landing spot for some of these free agent wide receivers that we have coming up, um, as well as a really strong rookie class, which, again, we'll preview on Thursday. But uh, this just seems like a cherry spot and, and a team, frankly, that has both the draft capital and the salary cap space to make it both work and make sense for this team. So uh, I think a really exciting place long term. Yeah, and it looks like Lynn Bowden got quite a bit more involved this week than he was last week when I had the Dolphins last week. And I thought it was interesting the way they used them, and it looks like they uh, ramped up that usage quite a bit. Uh, What do you make of him in this offense? Do you think he's going to be a part of it uh, next year or the rest of this year? Like, What's your advice for uh, people that have Bowden shares? 
Yeah, well, he certainly had to basically take over this uh, this wide receiver core when Parker left. Um, drew eight targets, did some good things with it, made some people miss after the catch. Um, in terms of leading an offense, that's certainly not something he's capable of doing. But in terms of being kind of the Curtis Samuel for this team next year, if they can add some perimeter pieces, some move pieces, uh, I like him a lot, and he had a, had a strong game here. I don't think... You know, I've seen him dual eligible in different places, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's much more a wide receiver, similar to Curtis Samuel. Um, but uh, just a very interesting guy. Did take two quarterback reps as well in this game. So um, the last note I'll make is uh, Clyde Edwards-Alar here. Uh, kind of has, you know, a hollow 91 scrimmage yards and had five catches. Uh, you know, couldn't get much going up with the run game. Actually lost, I think, like 10 yards on his final two carries of the day. So it wasn't probably even quite as bad as the stat line said, but just some cheap targets, uh, you know, kind of just being the fourth option in this offense. Um, certainly not a guy that I think you sit going forward, but the upside just seems very low. And it, it, it feels like we've fallen a long ways from that, uh, like, what, 120-yard, two-touchdown performance in week one uh, in front of everybody. And it's just it's, it's strange to see it have fallen this far. Um, you know, another running back that we sort of thought maybe would have a, a slight fall off here at the end, uh, Dalvin Cook. He does get a lot done here against this Buccaneers team. What did you see out of Dalvin in this Bucks or this Vikings offense? Yeah, it was a change from what uh, I had kind of seen from him the last few games where it looked to me like he was starting to to wear down a touch and I, I thought he looked pretty darn fresh in this game. And, uh, they came out with kind of the game plan they've been using all year, run, heavy, run, 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 run. And Dalvin looked really efficient and, you know, hundred yards and a touchdown. You'll take mm -hmm. that. I'm, I'm glad you kind of pushed back on me in the last episode where I was um, saying, you don't have to start Dalvin and, and you were more along the lines of start your stars, start the guys who got you here. And, uh, that was, I, I certainly hope people listen to you more so than me on the Dalvin Cook, because I, there was probably a lot of running backs I would have considered starting over Dalvin last week, and I would have been dead wrong. So, yeah, I think Dalvin's certainly amongst the guys you set and forget, and if it doesn't work out, you know, so be it. I'd rather lose a matchup because I started Dalvin than... <laughs> Um, lose a matchup because I got too cute and started yeah. someone that um, was way less talented and, you know, had Dalvin put up a stat line on my bench that would have won it for me. So, so yeah, I think he's, uh, he's as good as they come, but I think similar advice here on Derrick Henry and maybe, you know, just like Derrick Henry, maybe I'm a year too early here and we'll see one more really high end production year from Dalvin. But you look at some of the backs that have had this massive volume in previous seasons and what they're doing this year, and you look at that trend over the last 20, 25 years, and it doesn't say good things for Dalvin's 2021. So, I, you know, it's less of a must-sell and more of a can-you-sell-at-full-value. And if I think, I think if you can, you do it this offseason on Dalvin. Uh, how about we switch it over to the Bucks? What do you got there? Well, this offense has been really strange to me um, yeah. almost since they brought in Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of rumors that that kind of caused a schism in their locker room. A lot of people, especially the, the in the passing game, other than Brady, because Brady was his advocate. But I think it kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. They had plenty of talent there, yep. and they didn't really need to bring in that 
um, personality into the mix, but there's even still like, it's not a talent issue in Tampa, but it it feels like something's missing. I don't know if it's a lack of creativity in the play calling. I really can't put my finger on it. So I was curious if you could kind of point out what you think is maybe going wrong here. Yeah, I guess my theory would would go back first to the, the the lack of a pass catching back. I know they made Leonard Fournette inactive here, and they actually used uh, LaShawn McCoy. Excuse me, I had a little brain fart there. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that's the number one thing that they're missing. Um, but also, Brady's not making. You know, I think a lot's been made about his inaccuracy downfield, and he did miss balls downfield again. But it's not an arm strength issue. I think those throws are still in him. To me, he's just reading defenses really slow. You look at that Godwin play on the deep end. He just gets stuck on Mike Evans for like four or five seconds. And by the time he gets back to Godwin, the throw is hurried and he he misses it high. It was a 50-yard catch and run that if he just turns his vision a little bit sooner, I don't know. I just think he's moving at a little bit slower speed. I think the arm is plenty good. Um, but I think Brady's got to take some account here for what's gone wrong. Oh, for sure. I think he's certainly culpable in this. Uh, I don't think he, um, he at times looks like, you know, same old Brady, but there are a lot of times where I don't know what, what's going on. It it looks a bit, a, a bit off to me still, but, um, I, I don't think, I know what to do with these pass catchers in the off season. Brady's obviously 43 years old and they kind of sold their soul to the devil for a, <laughs> a chance at a, a deep run this year. So who's the quarterback there next year, the year after we have no idea. So maybe you want to sell Evans Godwin um, and the like, but I don't know. Um, it, it may be also get a buy opportunity if someone's just willing to panic, sell those guys. So I could go either way on that. I like the talent of Godwin better. So I guess he'd be the guy I'd be more likely to target, but, uh, let's move on. Uh, you had Cowboys Bengals. I, I don't really think there's a whole heck of a lot to talk about on Dallas's side. Maybe you disagree with me, but uh, the guy that um, got a bunch of carries in this game that's kind of interesting to me is Travion Williams from Cincinnati. Um, I know he's a guy that I think you've propped up in the past. Uh, what did you see here? Is this something worth paying attention to? Yeah, so he, he got a chance after Geo had a very, very soft fumble on their opening drive. Um, and that was kind of the story of the day for the Bengals. Brandon Allen wasn't good here, but but the Bengals coughed it up a whole bunch of times. And Travion Williams was uh, was no different, unfortunately. He had one really costly fumble on a drive where they gave him the lion's share of the work, and he actually looked very, very good. Um, kind of a little bit reminding me of Joe Mixon in there, just powerful in between the tackles, could catch the ball a little bit. Um, he is a guy that I like, but it was obviously awful to see him fumble that ball. They did go back to him. I think they're going to continue to give him looks. Um, And just on a talent basis, I don't think, obviously, he's going to beat out Joe Mixon, and I don't think Joe Mixon is going anywhere. But I think that's maybe the handcuff moving forward. Until they draft somebody or address it in another way, um, that, I think, is the the guy to handcuff to Joe Mixon. Uh, On the Dallas side, the only thing I'll say real quick before getting to the conversation I wanted to have was Zeke and Pollard split up the the touches exactly 50-50, both caught two balls. Uh, it was 25 total touches between the two of them. Um, neither really get a lot done. Zeke's uh, big run came late after this game was basically over, and Pollard scored a meaningless touchdown right at the end as well. Um, what I really want to talk to you about is both T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb. Um, you know, they've had quiet closes to the season after a lot of excitement and hype early in the season. 
Um, you know, I don't think they're guys that are, you know, certainly not by low, you know, guys right now. But I think they're maybe the leading candidates on my list of by high candidates. Because I think, you know, guys like Antonio Gibson, Justin Jefferson, they're almost off limits at this point to a certain degree to, to, to people. With this slow close, I think you've maybe got a chance to buy high on one of these guys. And I was wondering your thoughts on that as well as kind of what, what you'd be looking to make, uh, what type of move you'd be looking to make if you were going to acquire one. Yeah, it's all situationally based, but I'm sure. absolutely trying to buy as many of these rookie wide receivers as possible. I think this is a special draft class, I guess, with the exception of Henry Ruggs. I'm kind of out on Ruggs, but Lamb, Higgins, these are perfect guys to be targeting now this offseason, depending on your league's trading rules. I know a lot of teams or leagues deadlines have passed, but in mm-hmm. a non-deadline league or once trading opens after the season, absolutely try and get these guys um, veterans that are maybe, you know, kind of getting up there a little bit, but still have high value. Absolutely would be willing to trade someone like that draft picks, whatever. I, I, I love CD lamb. I love T Higgins and I want them on as many of my rosters as possible. So I'm looking for opportunities to strike. And like you pointed out, this could be a really good opportunity to try and snag those guys. Yeah, a couple guys that I thought of that I would add something to in order to get one of these guys were uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson. If I could take one of those guys and, and add even maybe upwards of a first, if I could get some sort of capital on the backside uh, back from the other person, um, that'd be a move I was potentially looking to make. And I don't know, some of these top, top tier uh, wide receivers, I might look to buy back years and get maybe a first round back. Uh, you know, take a guy like Stefan Diggs, who I absolutely love. Uh, could you get Stefan Diggs uh, for CeeDee Lamb in a first-round pick? I think you might be able to swing that right now. And as much as I love Diggs, it might be something that I'm looking to do. Uh, I think the buy window will completely close by the end of next year. So I think at some point in the next six months, if you haven't already gotten these guys, the time is to uh, acquire. Uh, yeah, now. overpay because the price may seem um, yeah. hard to stomach right now, but – Ask yourself like a year from now, a year from today, I could have gotten CD lamb for, you know, 50% of what yeah. he's worth now. Like, just right. go do it. Go get him. Get as many of these guys as you can. It'll, it, you'll be very happy. You did. Trust me. Yeah. Our next matchup is uh Texans at bears. And, uh, this one's, uh, uh I got to put my sad face on here a little bit. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has a very strong day and I, unfortunately in our league of record benched him for Matt Ryan. I just, I couldn't pull pull the trigger uh, and get risky with uh, Mitch. Uh, what did you see from Trubisky here, and uh, what do you make of his kind of hot stretch here lately? Yeah, me and you have had a lot of conversations about Mitch, Mitch over the past few weeks because you've been kind of in that quarterback meat grinder, and, and I've been advocating to use him um, in good matchups in in lesser defensive or you know defensive strength opponents, and I you know I I said start Mitch this week, but I never put myself in the situation to make that decision. <laughs> like I didn't start him in any leagues because I, 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 I can't take my own advice because starting Mitch is pretty darn scary you, proposition in yeah. the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I thought he looked pretty darn good in this game. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not going to say everything's right. Mitch Trubisky is the long-term answer there. I'm giving no dynasty advice here on Mitch, but this is kind of the guy they were hoping to get, at least the way he played in this game. But the Houston Texans are making a lot of people look pretty good. So I think you ride it out this year. He's got a few plus matchups coming up, but I, I don't see anything long-term personally. 
Well, yeah. So it, without making an implication on his long-term value, because I think we're both in, in agreement, there's a lot of guys they could potentially bring in that would compete for the job with Mitch Trubisky next year. How about the rest of this year? We've made a lot of David Montgomery having a really good schedule going forward. Can you trust him as a back-end quarterback one the rest of the season? Yeah, I think you can. If you're in the position where you're even considering him, if those are right. your options, I think he's probably near the top of that scrambling streamer list. So, yeah, I think he... And this is kind of ties into our uh, advice segment from last week. You got to know your matchup. If you need a guy with yeah. upside, this is the kind of decision you need to make. If you need a guy that has a floor, maybe you go with like a Philip Rivers type. Right. But if you, if you need a, a guy to outproduce their projections by 10, 15 points somewhere, I think this is the type of gamble you may need to make. But yeah, like if you're favored to win by 15, then this is probably not the route I would go. But I don't see any reason why this can't continue the rest of the year. And I'll, a big part of that is Allen Robinson. He's just Definitely. so damn good. Um, I know we just advise buying some of these rookie wide receivers, but we can't forget about the wily old vets. Allen Robinson has never quite achieved the value that his talent deserves. And that's because he's never been paired with a good quarterback. Yeah. And I'm trying to acquire him this off season, preferably before any roster moves are made in the league, just hoping that he ends in a better situations. And even if he doesn't, he's proven enough that he can do it with a bad situation. Kind of to tie back into one of our conversations earlier, how good would he look in a Miami Dolphins uniform? Oh, man, that'd be, that'd be such a nice fit. I would oh. be thrilled. Yeah, his value would skyrocket. Because you're right, he's an excellent, excellent player. He's Keenan Allen good, and he doesn't probably get the credit. And frankly, Keenan Allen probably doesn't get as, uh, as much no, credit as he, he deserves. Uh, a, a player who is getting a lot of credit right now, and, and this was one of my game picks, uh, Kyler Murray is uh, is having a strong season, but uh, this was a game we wanted to watch because he's got a tough closing schedule and he's kind of been struggling since taking a big hit a couple weeks ago. A uh, little less rushing yards. The the you know the touchdowns haven't quite been there. Um, this game wasn't really on Kyler Murray. In fact, uh, a, a touchdown early could have gone to Keyshawn Johnson. Good play by the defender, but you know if that's New Hopkins or even Larry Fitzgerald, I think they come down with that ball. Um, but really, the story of this game was uh, the Cardinals consistently getting the ball in, in Giants territory. Uh, start out early, as I said. Um, they got set up for that early uh, fourth down stop by a Daniel Jones fumble. Um, and then there was also a kickoff return fumble uh, right before half that set up their second touchdown, um, the, the Kenyon Drake touchdown. I believe they had run air, uh, 31 plays in New York Giants territory by uh, uh, making it 20 to nothing. So this game was, you know, just bad by the uh, Giants in pretty much all regards. Unfortunately, Kyler couldn't quite take advantage of it in the way you'd like to see. Um, you know, they just stalled out for a lot of field goals. Um, as I mentioned, it's a tough schedule down the stretch, Philly and San Francisco to end the season. Uh, certainly you've probably not made preparations to not start Kyler Murray. So if you've got him, you're probably playing him. Um, I'm just wondering how muted the expectations should be as we go forward here. 
Yeah, it's certainly, uh, I think he does has, you know, kind of regressed. I don't know if regressed is the right word, but he's taken a bit of a step back from where he was earlier in the year. But I think he's kind of fallen into the category in most formats where you, you kind of got this far with him. Yep. I don't think he can really scrape the waiver wire for him. Like the waiver wire type quarterbacks that are out there in one quarterback leagues, we're talking like we just, a guy like we just talked about Mitch Trubisky. I don't think you can no. reasonably make a case for someone like that taking a spot. So hopefully, you know, hopefully he got you to the playoffs and he can do enough for you to help you advance. So um, Christian Kirk, I know you kind of wanted to talk about him a little bit. Uh, what did you make of his game? I know he's been kind of struggling to get stuff going here too. Uh, did you want to talk about his value a little bit long term? Well, yeah, he's just absolutely invisible in this offense. And and through I think you know maybe six eight weeks, he was like the wide receiver fifteen. He was right around that range, I should say. Um, and it looks like since then, you know, all of that value has evaporated. And I'm just wondering, kind of. You know, I think people want Larry Fitzgerald to be out of there, but I, I you know, watching this game and he didn't get the, his first target until like into the deep into the third quarter. So this isn't a Larry Fitzgerald problem. Um, I just don't know that he's that good. That said, he had a couple nice putt returns where you see the speed and the the elusiveness. Um, I think I'm getting out, and I'm just wondering, can you get a second round pick for this guy right now? Do you think you can even get that done? <sighs> Probably not a 2021 second. It once people, you know, evaluate this draft class, they're going to, you know, kind of hype it up close to last year. So you might be able to get a 22 or 23, kick it down the road if your league allows you trading draft picks that far out. But I don't think I would pay a second for them. So I, I can't speak for the community, but I, I'd say probably no, unfortunately. Yeah. So then is your advice to hold or would you get out for a third? I mean, it depends on the depth of your league. If you have a deeper league, it's just a hold for me and look for a, a better opportunity to sell. Cause I think it, it certainly could rebound. His value could jump back up to kind of where we, it was when he had his mini little breakout earlier in this year. But if you're, you know, strapped for roster space and need to make room for all your first, second, third, and fourth round picks mm -hmm. in next year's draft. He might be a guy you just need to kind of cut to the curb. Absolutely. Uh, on to Broncos at Panthers. This was kind of a weird back and forth game. Um, I think we just kind of wanted to have a general conversation about what we're doing with our Broncos skill players. Uh, obviously they've got a lot of quarterback issues. Where do you want to start there? Well, I, I don't think we need to worry about the Denver rushing attack for dynasty reasons. Sure. I think the running back that we want in Denver long-term isn't there yet, but mm -hmm. the passing game is so interesting to me um, next year and down the road. I think I might've just been a year early on this team. And a lot of this is very much dependent on does Drew Locke stay? Can he develop or do they find someone to replace him? I lean on the later camp. Like I think they need to go out and acquire a veteran, but either way I'm buying Hamler. I'm buying Judy. I'm buying Sutton. I'm buying Fant. I want as many shares in this passing game as possible. And I would strike soon. I I'm already kind of loaded up in the Broncos world, but I'm advising other people to join me. Yeah, no, and I think Fant, Judy, and well, they're all easy buys right now. I mean, they're not easy in the sense that you won't pay anything, but in terms of getting somebody to to discuss trading this player, I think you have no problem with that. 
Uh, Fant left this game, unfortunately, with what was maybe thought to be COVID early. It sounds like food poisoning. Uh, you know, it just seems like everything has gone wrong for him. Um, a guy we're going to talk about here in a segment, TJ Hawkinson, uh, has produced way better than Fant. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I would need something pretty significant to go from Noah Fant to TJ Hawkinson. And I think you could do the inverse. So uh, he's for sure a buy for me. The one that's tough for me is Cortland Sutton. Uh, obviously, coming off the injury, they did spend a bunch of capital on these other receivers. Now, obviously, they had Sutton at the time, so they had a plan for, you know, the the threesome or foursome, however you want to look at it at some point. But he's 25 years old already. Um, he's a little bit worrisome to me, but I think Judy's probably the, you know, the easy buy for me. I think he's, you know, what he does well is going to translate the moment they get a good quarterback. Yeah, Sutton and uh, even Tim Patrick, those are the two guys I'm less inclined to yeah. buy personally. Um, that's partially due to the fact that I'm a betting man, and I'm betting on Judy being great. I'm betting on mm-hmm. Fant being great, and I also really like K.J. Hamler. So I think someone's got to be the odd man out. I don't know if it's Patrick or Sutton, but it's probably one of the two. They may go Patrick just because you know he's looked pretty decent this year and like you mentioned some of the concerns with Sutton and he's going to be approaching free agency I think in a year so that that might not be the best guy to buy but I still do like the talent and yeah um, I think the price is probably right as well so on the Carolina side really the only thing I wanted to talk about is unfortunate that Christian McCaffrey wasn't able to return in this game and he may not even be back next year but it is worth noting that Matt Rule said he is not going to sit him down for the rest of the year if he's ready to play if he's healthy he will be back I'm just I'm hopeful he'll be back this upcoming week but who knows but that being said Mike Davis continues to prove that he's a capable replacement and hopefully most of you McCaffrey uh, managers were smarter than me and went out and got Mike <laughs> Davis because I sure wish I had him right now in a few spots. And I frankly hope he gets a job someplace next year. Maybe not as the 1A the way he is this year, uh, but as the 1B to maybe a slightly better player as the 1A to a, you know, a rookie who's coming in and developing or, you know, a second year guy. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a smart team's going to bring him in on a bargain price and get, you know, a pretty good return on investment paired, you know, with a third round rookie or something. I, I think he absolutely deserves some sort of a role somewhere. Yeah, actually, you know, where I think he'd be interesting and a guy that I don't think can ever just take the number one work and I don't care uh, would be along a guy uh, in DeAndre Swift who will move on to the Packers and Lions game. Uh, DeAndre returned here. Obviously, there wasn't a ton of work. They fell behind in this game. Uh, only was able to get seven carries for 24 yards and a touchdown. Did catch four balls. Uh, really nice uh, screen play set up uh, where he showed some good patience. And obviously, I mentioned that he scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's bulldozing people over between the 20s, but he has almost the exact same thing of Alvin Kamara, where Kamara's not really doing that between the 20s, but you put him inside of the five and he can push the pile. It's certainly not for a lack of ability. It's just there's better ways he can serve his his talent so um really good game from swift obviously you know they're it's kind of a lost season there they're uh, not going to overwork one of their best young players uh hawkinson has another solid game here um he keeps showing his competent but not special um he's an easy sell to me at, at you know a tight end three four value in the offseason do you, do you disagree with that no not at all um i do like him but i think 
um, with the fluidity of the tight end position year to year, he doesn't strike me as a tier one kind of guy, tier two kind of guy. I don't think he's ever going to um, gain the value to be in the Kelsey Kittle league right. winner type tight end conversation. So I think you sell to someone that um, thinks he could ascend to that level and be a real positional difference maker. To me, he's just kind of the tight end that I'm going to be avoiding and redraft. I'm either getting one of the first guys or the last guys, and he falls <laughs> kind of in too much into the middle for me with not enough upside. So, yeah, I'd sell at this point. All right, the other guy I wanted to talk about, another running back here, Aaron Jones. Um, to my eyes, doesn't look any different than last year. Still an explosive player. Um, you know, but I think the the real difference is last year they were much more dependent on Aaron Jones. This year, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are almost unstoppable right now. Um, you know, he doesn't have a contract with Green Bay. I think the prevailing wisdom is that he'll get the franchise tag. How are you valuing him in Dynasty? Does it, you know, he's kind of at that cliff anywhere where we'd be looking at a guy maybe as a sell. Um, what What are your thoughts on Aaron Jones? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm torn because I like him as a talent, but the uncertainty is a red flag. I think it's more likely than not he'll find his way back to Green Bay next year, but that doesn't mean he'll be there the year after or the year after that. So um, I I don't really want to sell, but it, I don't know if the value is ever going to really get a whole heck of a lot higher either. So right. um, you might just kind of have what you got right now for the next few years if you wanted to hold. But um, I don't think you're getting anyone banging down your door to give you their, you know, top five pick in next year's rookie draft either. So that's true. It, it, it's really just kind of where you view your your roster long term. Like, do I need a bit of a reset than sell for as much as you can get? But if you're a contender, I think you just hold. No, I think that's a really, really well said. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say on this matchup before we move on to Saints and Eagles was uh, uh, Robert Tanyan had an absolutely awesome chip block uh, where he kind of stunned the guy he hit and just knocked him uh, sideways, uh, basically through two Detroit pass rushers and like bowling pins, they all toppled over. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't score you any points, but I think it is worth noting that later in the game, he was blocking out a play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers kept creating time and eventually he slipped out of the backfield and caught it. Um, and that's kind of the reason I like players like this is because uh, they get chances to just, that was such an easy touchdown. It was just a little easy flip pass and he walked into the end zone, but he was able to do it because he's good enough in pass protection that they leave him out there for, for that sort of thing. Um, obviously he didn't make tight end physical graffiti last year, uh, but he seems to hit a lot of the the markers that I look for and, and he's moved into my top 10, uh, at the tight end pretty easily. Yeah, and he's a guy that I uh, am going to be profiling in one of my first blog posts coming up here hopefully soon. Uh, he's one of the guys I have in my tier movers, uh, a guy that I have ranked in a spot where I could see him climbing. So that's kind of the guy that I wanted to profile in this column. So look for that. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really fond of him. He does a lot of things right, and he's really gaining a lot of uh, latitude with that team. They want to get him the ball because they respect the way he plays the game. Um, on to our next game. We had the debut of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought it went mostly pretty well. I, I think the offense was a little bit more different than what we had seen with Carson Wentz. They really catered to Hurts' play style. 
and kind of, you know, protected him in a smart way with a lot of read option, a lot of quick three-step drop passing for one read passes, RPO stuff, kind of like I expected. And he did really well with that type of game plan. And the saints really weren't ready to stop it either. I think he's a big plus for Miles Sanders owners, the way he Mm -hmm. plays really, they, they really mesh well together. And I don't think we often enough talk about how much the quarterback running back pairing matters. And I think this is just a perfect pairing for quarterback and running back. And I think it matters a little bit more for the mobile quarterbacks, but they seem to have that read option game going really well. Well, yeah, and that was, uh, you know, one thing that was kind of keeping my spirit afloat yesterday as I was watching teams lose uh, was that I made my number one piece of playoff advice stick with Miles Sanders. And I, I referenced some of these exact things that you saw in this game. The read options simplify. The read is now on the quarterback, not on the running back. Miles Sanders, when he gets the ball, hit the gas and go. And on that 82-yard touchdown, my goodness, you saw the athleticism. This is an absolutely great fit for Miles Sanders, uh, and I think he regains a lot of this value that he's lost. So I'm kind of rehitting some of the the points I made on the playoff show. Uh, but like I said, I had a rough week, so so let me gloat a little bit. Yeah, massive kudos to you on that prediction. Uh, that kind of fell in line with your start your stars, and he was a star in this game. The first uh, hundred yard rusher, I think mm-hmm. the Saints have allowed in fifty six games or something, and and Hertz gets there as well. So a very impressive game for the Eagles. And I have a few friends that are Eagles fans for some reason, and I know they're very excited about Jalen Hurts. So, and I think fantasy managers should be too. I I don't know if we you know get too carried away and i've already seen some russell wilson comparisons but i don't know i i mean i see some some of why they say that he kind of had that um uh russell wilson kind of quick turnaround run backwards 15 yards roll out Mm -hmm. and make something happen play so I think that's where the comps came from, but I was mostly impressed from a, from a debut here. And another thing that kind of made me happy was if it seems like Elvin Kamara is starting to fit in a little better yeah. into the Taysom Hill offense. Um, he's trying to get him involved in the passing game, had a few targets, a few catches in this game, but just as a running back, I don't think Alvin Kamara gets enough respect for how capable he is. as just your standard, typical running back. And I thought he played really well in this game and I'm a little less worried about him long-term. If Taysom Hill is going to be the guy next year, I may move him down in my rankings a tier, but it's, he's not going to crater. I think Alvin Kamara is going to be just fine. Well, two weeks ago, we talked about in that Denver game, uh, Taysom unwilling to even pull the trigger on a screen route that was totally set up. It would have been a big game. Uh, You you do look at this game. You see the receptions. That was really good to see. There was one play that I caught, uh, a screen play to Alvin Kamara that he just fired in at him. Oh, yeah. uh, Ricocheted off of his hands and went to a defender. Uh, So obviously there's room for improvement still. But, hey, at least he threw it, and I think they're trying to at this point. They, they realize that it's a problem, that Kamara's best attribute isn't being utilized even to a, you know 25% in the current offense. Um, I think it will continue to get better. 
let's give him a chance. I'm with you here. Yeah, and I know exactly what play you're talking about, and that was not on Alvin at all. No. That was Taysom Hill. He was under pressure, which you should expect to be on a screenplay, and he instead of just kind of lobbing it up there like you you want to do on a screen, he he did throw kind of a missile at him, and it was high, and that led to an interception, but that was all on Taysom. He certainly needs to work on his touch, and a man who doesn't need to work on much of anything, Chase Young, in your next game oh, was an goodness. absolute monster um i saw all the highlights but you saw the whole game was he as good in the non-splashy plays or i mean come on this dude's a freak well yeah and i can't i can't tell you that i didn't my eye was immediately drawn to ayak because i came into the game kind of knowing you know what his stat line looked like but at a certain point my eye was i, I couldn't watch ayak off the snap anymore because i was just watching chase young he is such a good heads-up football player. One of his sacks in this game was basically they dropped him into coverage, and he was able to come flying up out of nowhere. Uh, obviously, he has a strip on the Jeff Wilson play. Uh, he was absolutely incredible, and he made life absolutely miserable for this San Francisco offense. Um, Ayuk's good day was, you know, um, obviously encouraging to see for his dynasty value. Obviously, 10, 10 catches, 119 yards on 16 targets. Um it was a very good day. His value continues to rise, but I will say um, there was some good and some bad, and I think um, this stat line is a little bit deceiving. So um, he had a, he had a drop on a deep in early in this game, um, and then one other, I guess that you could call a drop. It was kind of a high throw. It would have been a tough catch, but nonetheless would have been a, a decent gain. Um, and then late in this game was credited with a reception that definitively hit the ground. Um, San, or I'm sorry, not San Francisco. Washington chose not to to challenge. It was would have been overturned, but uh, San Francisco hurried up to the line. Um, and then for whatever reason, uh, Washington just kneeled on the ball and gave San Francisco the ball back with one second. Um, and Ayuk had a catch and run of of 16 yards on that play. So I think the stat line tells a story of amazing. And I think he was just very good here. Uh, I think it's important to note Debo left on the very first play of this game. Uh, with a hamstring, and it sounds like this might be it for him. So um, I think Ayuk's in for big volume the rest of the way. I, I don't think you'll find many people who are higher on him than than I am. Um, but I think this game is a little bit of a mirage to some degree. Um, and then I'd like to bring you in here on, on Terry McLaurin. Um, obviously a very disappointing day here. I think a guy that we both um, love, in my opinion, amongst the first and second here guys, he's one of the five best wide receivers. Um, but with Washington six and seven and, and, you know, they're headed to the playoffs. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, how is this situation going to get better? I don't think Alex Smith is going to, you know, be better than he will. And, and frankly, it's important to mention he left here too. Uh, Dwayne Haskins came in and looked bad. Terry's a little bit of an older prospect and I'm wondering if he's being overvalued in the dynasty community right now. Yeah, he might be. He's a player I really like and really shines on tape. But like you said, it's not like an easy path for him to kind of take that next step, which right. we're all um, hoping he does. But it's not really on him at this point. It's on no. this front office. And um, they've got two pretty nice gems for skill players in McLaurin and Gibson. And they're kind of building their team backwards in that manner. Like you need to start <laughs> with your quarterback, your old line, and then add the skill guys. So yeah, it, it, I mean, I think 
he's a guy that I'm happy to have if I have him, but I'm not necessarily looking to go acquire, but I'm also not looking to sell. He's a hold for me. And in a startup, I think you just got to kind of take those things into account where you rank him on the T Higgins and CD lamb conversation earlier. I think you could get something on top of for sure. T Higgins, if not CD lamb to make that move. And I'm not totally certain uh, that they're not just the better flat out players next year. I yeah. love what Terry McLaurin can do. He's he's an absolute monster route runner. Uh, good good catches, you know, good hands, I should say. Um, it's just very concerning to see this type of production, and it, you know, it's not tied to him, like you said. He doesn't catch a ball here in the second half. I mean, yeah, that's a, game, a good that's a good point. I'm not trading McLaurin for draft picks, but I'm definitely no. trading him for Higgins or uh, or CD Lamb, without a doubt. Absolutely. Um, Colts at Raiders is our next game. Talk about a rookie performance. Jonathan Taylor, uh, wow. Uh, Take us through it. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a totally different player right now than what we saw earlier in the year. Just because um, he's breaking out now doesn't mean that we were wrong to criticize him early in the year. He was making a lot of mistakes, and it seemed like the switch just flipped overnight. I don't know if the game slowed down for him, but he's running so hard right now. hes I don't know how many tackles he's broken over the last two (laughs) games, but it's got to be damn near 20. I thought he was just fantastic in this game, and um, I think his value's got to go damn near right close to where it was before the season started. And I'm, I'm putting him way higher up in my rookie ranks than I had him before. Do you think, you know, I watched a little bit of this game and I was tracking it the whole time. Um, do you think Frank Reich in this offense maybe got the message a little bit? Cause they started out this game and Jonathan Taylor just cut through this defense 60 yards or something on the first drive. And then it appeared that they went away from him for almost a full quarter. And it, this game really broke open when he broke that big run. Do you think that they've finally got the message that they need to just feed this guy? I hope so. Frank Reich's a bit of a strange cookie. Um, and I, I don't understand his Wilkins usage, but I I don't <laughs> mind the way they use Naheem Hines. And yeah. I don't think you need to totally get away from him. I like him as a change of pace, as a poor man, Zackler, who a lot of people compare him to. So I think you can still plug out Hines in a flex role. But yeah, jo- Jonathan Taylor, there's no excuse for him not getting 20 touches a game going forward. Um I will say if you wanted to be a Debbie Downer, the Raiders run defense has been (laughs) abysmal lately, but that's what you need to see. Good players shred bad defenses. So I'm not going to take any negatives away from him because he played the Raiders, but yeah, their run defense is a mess. And uh, I think they got the chargers next week. So smash start Eckler next week, but uh, another guy you're going to want to smash start next week. T Y Hilton um, has had, back-to-back two touchdown games and he gets Houston again next week who he just played last week torched yeah it just torched them last week so T.Y. Hilton might win some people some leagues so get him back in your lineups and uh, I know I kind of pooped on rugs earlier um, out (laughs) of line but he's really the lone rookie left uh, from the first round picks in your rookie drafts that hasn't given much reason for for hope and I I'm just kind of out on him so if you can get someone that wants to buy low i would even sell him just kind of recoup what you paid for him if he can technically he won a game for him but i think we both agree that was more about greg williams being you know fireable and please get out of the league as opposed to henry ruggs being awesome 
Um, well, speaking of Greg Williams, we got the Jets and, <laughs> at Seahawks. Uh, Greg Williams is no longer with us, so uh, why don't you break down this snooze fest? Yeah, well, it didn't really get much better defensively for the Jets this week. I don't know how I keep drawing the New York teams. I had to watch both <laughs> of them again this week. I got to figure this thing out. Um, but uh, Russell Wilson just spread it around in this game. Uh, no pass catcher went over 61 yards, but he throws for four touchdowns. Uh, Metcalf stutter and go versus rookie Bryce Hall was uh, one of the better routes of the year. Uh, stupid penalty after he kind of went and did the Tyreek thing with the camera. But I'm not going to be one of these get off my lawn guys. If there was a if there was ever a week to take a 15 yard stupid penalty, I suppose it would be against the Jets. So uh, go have some fun, young man. Uh, Disley swam and more, as I said, catch the touchdowns, really nothing to see there. Uh, Metcalf did leave this game briefly with an ankle injury, uh, appeared to be fine, came back and finished the game. So, uh, probably your dynasty wide receiver one, uh, if not somewhere in the top five, uh, the conversation I wanted to have with you is Chris Carson. Uh, he absolutely cut through this defense again. Uh, I think we would both agree that within somewhere in the next 18 months, somewhere between uh, the start of next year and the end of the 2021 season, or I guess the start of the 2022 season, we're, we're going to want to sell. We're going to be advocating to sell. My question to you is, can he repeat this performance again next year, or should uh, dynasty managers be getting out uh, before 2021? I don't feel the same alarm bells ticking in my head that's telling me I need to sell right now. Kind of the way I feel about a Zeke or a Derrick Henry and those two for different reasons. But I think it's, it, you know, I, I hate to keep saying this, but it's such roster dependent. Like, do you have a chance? Do you not have a chance? Mm-hmm. If you're a mid, middling team, yes. But if you're a contender, I think you just run it back. I don't think he's a guy that you probably invested heavily in to acquire. Um, so I think you just kind of ride it out. Whereas if it's a player like that, I spent the one Oh two on four years ago and I'm like trying Derek Henry, like Derek Henry, I'm right. trying to get that value back, but Chris Carson's probably a guy you picked up off the scrap heap. Um, so I think you just ride it out. Enjoy the wave. Absolutely. Uh, Falcons at Chargers is our next matchup. Another guy that we've kind of been talking about for, I don't know, six, eight weeks now about potentially riding the late season wave is, is Austin Eckler, uh, probably an easy matchup here, but he gets a lot done. Uh, what'd you see? Yeah, I saw the Austin Eckler. We all got so excited about near the end of last year. I thought he was, you know, fully back to what. I remembered, and I think he's a guy you're trotting out there with confidence the rest of the way, especially in a couple of plus matchups, uh, at least next week. I can't remember who he has in 16, but next week he's got a monster spot. So I, I stepped on my bit a little bit uh, in my last game, but yeah, Austin Eckler looks awesome to me and uh, him and uh, Keenan Allen. What more could you ask for, for a rookie quarterback right now? No he's going to He's going to make Justin Herbert look even better than Justin Herbert's been making Justin Herbert look. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying watching this team. The Falcons are uh, kind of a weird defense. I like so many of the pieces, but it just doesn't gel. But it, yeah, I think uh, it was impressive to me for Eckler to have nine grabs for 70 yards almost against a team that's kind of built to stop the receiving back. So I thought it was a very very good performance and on to the Falcons side. I have no idea what to make of this team going forward. <laughs> kind of talk me off a ledge. If I'm a Julio manager, even a Calvin Ridley manager, the young guy, like what does this team need to do? And what do we need to do if we have shares here? 
Yeah, I don't really know how to talk you off a ledge. I, I just, you know, and, and I'm a little bit of a scorned lover here because I just got burnt by Matt Ryan. So maybe, you know, maybe I'm, you know, speaking a little biased, but I think they move on from him next year. I think they're going to be high enough up where uh, a Trey Lance or a Kyle Trask or somebody like that is going to be available. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Matt Ryan is he's fine. Uh, he can do what the offense asks of him, but he's not creating anything on his own. Um, in terms of Julio, I, I think people view him as a Hall of Famer, and I think despite this bad season, you know, sell early, I would say, in the offseason before they can move on from Matt Ryan. I think if you do that, you can still get, you know, 90% of what he was worth just at the trade deadline. So um, I, I think there's still room to get out there. I'm very glad I got out in the one spot I did have him pre uh, this season because uh, it's been frustrating. He's hurt a lot. And I don't know. What's your opinion on Calvin Ridley? Can he be a wide receiver one? I'm not sure. He kind of, I don't know. I I've fluctuated my opinion on him so many times. I like him a lot, but I do kind of feel like he needs he's Robin. He needs someone else. Yeah. Kind of like a Tyler Lockett is the, I think he's kind of like a, I don't know if I'd even think it's fair to call him a rich man's Tyler Lockett, <laughs> but a slightly better positioned financially Tyler Lockett. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a fair comp, and I, I'm sort of with you. Um, I think he's a better man beater than say a guy like uh, Juju, who we kind of had this, you know, the community had this conversation about a couple years ago, um, or you know, 18 months, whatever. Um, I, you know, I don't think he can take on the full weight. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe can they get away from Julio Jones in NFL terms? Can they get full value for him right now? There are enough dumb teams out there. Maybe I, I just, I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think it'll all come down to contracts, stuff like that, that we don't always factor in, but I don't know. I think it, without looking at the numbers, I don't know. I don't see it being like a first round pick type thing. Like the, Texans, well, the right. Texans couldn't even get a one for Hopkins. So <laughs> no, they get a two. So, yeah, they'd probably be looking at a two or a three, I'm guessing. Uh, one thing I'd like to see if the Falcons don't draft a quarterback, why don't we swap Matt's, Matt Stafford for Matt Ryan, the rare quarterback for quarterback trade? They both kind of need a, a new situation. Why don't we switch retreads? Bring the uh, Georgia Bulldog back to Atlanta. <laughs> I like I like that thinking, actually. That's not too bad. I, I want to Stafford... see an all-Matt trade. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I guess I think it's kind of interesting that neither of us brought up the running back position because I think we both think none of them are on roster, and if any of them are, they're not in a feature role next year. Uh, well, why don't we move on to the second most frustrating game here? Obviously, Mitch Trubisky had me tilting the most because I made a stupid decision. Uh, but Deontay Johnson dropping two balls on the first two drives and uh, subsequently being benched, you know, they, sh- they showed a camera shot of him coming back from that third commercial break. And I said it right away. I said, that's the face of somebody who's just been benched. You know, we hadn't seen any snaps from the Steelers yet. But, uh, yeah, he didn't play again in the first half and uh, kind of resurrects his day a little bit in the second half. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts here? Are you panicked on Deontay? Do you sell? Do you buy? What do you do here? I try and not to make rash decisions off of emotion. Um, fortunately, we're at the point in the year where you probably don't need to make any decisions on Deontay other than a, do I start, do sit I sit? Yeah. Um, I, 
think I want to buy. I hope that this gets fixed. I like the talent too much. Um, certainly frustrated Tomlin quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it is worth noting he did come back into the game yep. in the fourth quarter. So I think he is still the 1A or 1B talent-wise on this team. I do love Claypool as well, but I think Juju's more likely to move on in the offseason, so I don't see why Deontay Johnson should be a sell. In fact, I would probably try and buy yeah, no, that's my thinking, too. And, you know, I think you saw it after they benched him. Uh, they couldn't really get much done. Uh, Buffalo basically said, we'll play man across the board, beat us. Um, mm-hmm. And aside from that one touchdown to, D- to James Washington, who, you know, is kind of resurrecting, I think, what will be free agent value for him, not so much his value with the Steelers. Um, but maybe he's a guy that could be interesting going forward with a different team. Um, but I think you saw that this team can't really afford to get away from Deontay. They're 11-2. and two. They're competing for this division. This has to get fixed, and I, I don't have any reason to believe it will, but at the same time, I feel like Deontay's a good enough player. I feel like this might have been precisely what he needed, actually. Um, and then let's end on a happy note. Stefan Diggs is, is unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. I have him in a class with the, the very, very most elite receivers. I think you do, too. Um, He's just so much fun to watch. Talk about him a little bit. Yeah, he. it's so fortunate for us Vikings fans that we got Justin Jefferson with that pick because this would make me bitter, but instead I'm just happy. You know, both sides won the trade. Both teams are thrilled, so I'm enjoying this. The Bills, I've mentioned on the podcast before, always kind of been my – AFC team because they're so similar to the Vikings historically, mm-hmm. the four Super Bowl losses, you know, all that heartbreak. So I always want the Bills to do well. And between Josh Allen playing out of his mind and Stefan Diggs having a career year, this has been a lot of fun for me and I can enjoy it. Absolutely. And Josh Allen absolutely looks like a future MVP candidate in this game. Um, a really good season by him and, and just uh, fits Buffalo perfectly, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The personality he has, he really meshes well with the city like they talked about so many times in last night's broadcast. Yeah, but it's a real thing that that city will love you back if you do well for yep. him. So uh, I think he's in the perfect spot, um, the, the best spot he could have really landed in in that draft class. And uh, I'm buying bills left and right wherever I can, including uh, another guy in my upcoming uh, Tear Busters piece, uh, Gabriel, Dav- Gabriel Davis. <laughs> We get some dogs barking here, which means I think it's time to call it a show. Um, I am on Twitter at Nasty Newts. Josh is on Twitter at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, If you could look us up on whatever you're listening to and uh, rate, review, and tell all your friends about our pod, we would love to gain some listeners. So any way you can help us out, um, we would much appreciate it. And again, next Thursday, we are going to be doing our typical game previews, our game draft, all that fun stuff. And then we're going to mix in some 2021 draft class previews for all of you that are unfortunately maybe out of the playoffs. But even if you are in the playoffs, it's always never a bad time to look towards the future. Yep, you can never get ahead of these draft classes too soon. And we're not going to do any super deep, you know, tape, tape dives here, you know, or make any declarations of I have this guy over this guy. We're just trying to familiarize familiarize everybody with the class, especially as we roll into bowl season. You'll have a chance to take a look at some of these people sometime when you're not off work, you know, when you're not working and you can kind of hang out and chill. 
Um, and you can get a, get your eyes on some of these these players, uh, at least some of the ones that haven't opted out yet. So uh, look forward to that. Newt's, uh, who's our happy birthday today? Well, we actually have a football birthday today, and I think he might be your wide receiver one in your uh, rankings. It's DK Metcalf's birthday he, today. He is. Happy birthday, DK. He is a star, and uh, look forward to watching him for many birthdays to come. So uh, have a good uh, week, everyone. Hopefully your uh, semifinals week 15 lineups uh, go well, and hopefully you make it to that point. So, yeah, let's uh, let's all win some championships. Go Browns. Yeah.